Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News, and Views. The place for pets and the people who love them. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Here are your hosts, practicing veterinarians, Dr. Roger Welton and Dr. Karen Lewis. Hello, pet lovers, and welcome to another episode of Veterinary Advice, Animal News, and Views. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Karen Lewis, and with me is my friend and co-host, Dr. Roger Welton, who, um, I'm not going to lie, this is take two of this episode. I'll let Dr. Roger explain that one a little bit. <laughs> well, we, um, we we do pre-record these and we upload them into the Block Talk Radio Network, and uh, I, after we wrapped last time, since this has never happened before, um, I realized we had a very one-sided conversation where I did all the talking. And I was talking to no one. It didn't want to record Dr. Karen for some reason. So if it seems extra long that we have not connected with you, it's because we really tried last week. And it took until tonight to mesh our schedules again. So our and apologies. I was on fire. I do say so myself last time. Oh, and then it got documented. I know. I know. What a shame. And I didn't hear any of it back. So it's all by memory right now. I do remember oh. you were quite good. <laughs> but, well, and so now at this time, my podcast microphone decided to kill could uh, commit suicide. So um, if I sound like I'm in a bucket, I'm sorry. I've got to now pursue the um, warranty on my podcast microphone. So it's always a thrill when you <laughs> try to have a podcast and nothing works. As long, so. as, as, long as we hear you, that's a good, oh. that's a good, that's a good start. It's better Lordy. than a, a blank voice. <laughs> oh, it, it's really interesting listening to myself talk to no one. It's like and I had an like imaginary friend. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Oh God. So, well, uh, any well, rate. Had, yeah. So what we had talked about. What we had talked about, which we we're going to visit again. Yeah, with both of us this time. Yeah. <laughs> is um, basically in the in the wake of the hurricanes and the flooding that we've had recently, there's a lot of standing water. And I know, Dr. Roger, you had mentioned that even in Florida Sands hurricane, um, you're in the midst of a ton of standing water, too. We had, well, more, we, we had more flooding after Irma. So Irma came, and obviously that was a problem. Um, but, you know, that kind of blew through, caused damage and stuff. But the flooding, it was bad, but it wasn't horrific. The horrific flooding came two weeks later when in one weekend we had like 20 inches of rain. This subtropical system just kind of sat over us, and it just wouldn't stop raining. And, and in the Sunshine State, we went like six days with no sun, you know, and, and it was just uncanny. So we're still dealing with that. Uh, there was a road that uh, runs right along uh, the intracoastal waterway that I, I, I bike up to the Cape all the time. Haven't been biking, still underwater. I think it's wow. just starting to recede now. Uh, the intracoastal just washed right over it. So um, it, it's been interesting, but, you know, what I wanted to really um, talk about was, you know, the diseases that can come with all this standing water. And those doesn't, doesn't apply here. It applies to just about anywhere where these diseases can exist. Do you remember those diseases from last week? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> so I know one of the ones, the big one we talked about was heartworm. Of course. And you don't think heartworm standing water usually because it's, it's, it's a, not a direct correlation. Um, heartworm is carried by mosquitoes, and the standing water is what breeds the mosquitoes. So that's kind of the connection there. But um, I know we talked last time about how after Hurricane Katrina, so many Katrina dogs were shipped all over the country because there were people who didn't have homes, you know, in Louisiana. So, um, 
and they all had heartworm. Like at least all, in my experience, the the shelter I worked at at the time, if it was a Katrina dog, you pretty much assumed it had heartworm until proven otherwise. We had the same thing here. Yeah. It was everywhere. So, um, so you were talking before about how there's an 18 month lag between from the flooding to when you diagnose a heartworm. I'll let you kind of explain that. Yeah. So the so you know in order for heartworm to be spread, a mosquito has to bite a an infected dog, and then that larvae has to develop to a certain infectious stage. I believe it's 10 days, and then it buzzes around, and then it's 10 days. Correct? Am I right on that? I thought it was more like 20 something, but I don't know. We didn't discuss this last time, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, my understanding was it's 10 days. It does a gestate okay. there in the in the um within the gut of the mosquito. Then it's infectious after about 10 days. Let's say 10 to 20 days. <laughs> um, and then it you know feeds on a non-infected dog and transfers that infection, injects that infectious stage of larvae called microfilaria. So in order for this to occur, we, we first have that mosquito bloom. Um, we, we're, we have it right now. I mean, at, at a certain time of the day, dusk, dawn, you literally have to run to your car. <laughs> it's like oh there, there's the skeeters are everywhere. Um, there's a wonderful uh, indoor outdoor dining place. It's a chain around here. I don't know if you remember for your when you've come visit the area. It's called Long Dogger. It's really popular. It's a little mm-hmm. little uh, Brevard County chain here. Well, nobody's sitting outside right now. <laughs> and even though the weather's starting to barely become comfortable, uh, nobody's sitting outside because you're just getting housed by mosquitoes. So that's in process now. So you get the mosquito bloom, then the feeding, and then the pre-patent period within the dog from which it's infected and actually will show positive on the test. It's a six-month period. So that's why it's approximately 18 months when we start to see these statistical spikes after these big storms. That'll make sense to you? Yes. And so I think the point, too, we talked about is it's extra important now in the next coming months to give your dog heartworm preventative. But, you know, when you have been out of work for two weeks because your business was closed or if your house is flooded or if the worst case scenario, like the poor people in Houston, if you're living in a shelter or something, you probably don't have heartworm preventative and it might not be the foremost thing on your mind. So um, I think that's another reason why we see more of these is because owners would normally be very good about giving it, you know, when you have to deal with insurance companies and get the water out of your house and whatnot. Oh, yes, it's time for your heartworm pill. You know what I mean? It probably falls by the wayside, unfortunately. Yeah, I know how that feels, and I was one of them. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, um, <laughs> so we had, my clinic was closed for a week, which represents a lot of revenue. Um, that's very stressful, and um, we had no power there, so you can't open without power. We've learned <laughs> shopping for a very fancy generator. Um, it will be worth the investment, but no, I mean – that whole that whole business district, Target, Publix, all those businesses around me were shut down. People are not at work, and yeah, heartworm. Getting your dog that preventive it may be the last thing on your mind if you even have any. Uh, nobody could call us to buy any heartworm preventive, yeah. you know. So yeah, no, it's a really good point. Just try to try to keep it on the forefront of your mind, um, or maybe perhaps the storm stuck up. Make sure you have it. But heartworm is definitely um, a risk there. And the the other major standing water disease, and and we're gonna we'll get into a parasitic one uh, in a little bit. That's not quite as as serious, but but leptospirosis, um, as we well know, loves standing water. You want to enlighten us a little bit about leptospirosis? Oh yeah, so it's um it's a bacteria actually, and it um 
it's making the news a lot in the Northeast, like New York City, New Jersey, that area. Um, there has been a lot of lepto cases. So lepto is a bacteria that thrives from a combination of wildlife urine and standing water. Um, you don't have to have standing water to get lepto. You can have raccoon pee, rat pee. Um, that just is there that your dog steps in and the bacteria penetrates their skin. But standing water is kind of like your textbook, you know, definition, I guess, of uh, where lepto comes from because animals pee in the water and the bacteria now has an entire bathtub that it can multiply in. Uh, don't need to drink it to get the bacteria. You can, like I said, it can penetrate your skin. People too, which is fun. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, it causes kidney and liver failure, so it's nothing to mess around with. It's not like, oh, you get the runs for a few days, haha, and, you know, call it a day. Uh, it, it's <laughs> yeah. a big deal. So do you see much lepto down there? You know, I didn't used to, and it's very interesting because I, I started my career in New York, as you well know, and I was there three years, and I saw plenty of lepto, you know, maybe four or five cases a year. And it's interesting because there I was in this very urban, sprawly environment, um, suburban, I guess, but um, – you know, I could hardly call it rural, uh, you know, little woodsy patches here and there on the North Shore Long Island. But for the most part, you know, there wasn't a lot of a ton of standing water around. Uh, I I have a theory as to why I saw more of it there than here. And I'll get to that in a moment. Um, but down here, I come to Florida. I moved here in 04. And my predecessor, who was a very good veterinarian and still is, actually, she just does strictly rescue. Good lady. Um, but she she didn't vaccinate for lepto because we just don't see it. Which really surprised me because there's standing water everywhere. I mean, literally from, let's say, late July until normally October. This is a little bit of a different kind of season. Uh, you know, you, you rarely walk out on dry grass. It's like slushy. Um, you know, it, it's uh, and, and, I, and I, where I live is 28 feet above seawater where, you know, where, where, or sea level. We're, we're, we're hardly what I would call a below sea level. Uh, area of Florida, um, or at least my community. So it's just it's just wet all the time. And it really surprised me. Well, it's on the rise here. And now instead of seeing no cases, um, I see about one or two a year. And for me, that's enough because you have a high mortality rate with this disease and, and upwards of 30, 30 to 40% by the time they're showing clinical signs. So um, you want to hear my theory real quick? Yeah. Well, I believe that what's happening here, and I don't know how, know how well you know the area these days. I know you've been here before, um, but there's a lot of urban sprawl in progress here, in process. So just, for example, the town I live in, where I'm podcasting from right now, did not exist in 2000. Right? Suddenly, all of this former swamp area slash cattle ranch was just all developed. Just boom, let's make a town. And that's what happened. So I believe that the urban sprawl is occurring. I think we're encroaching into these wildlife habitats and the wildlife is just more in contact with us and our, and our pets and, and the areas that they, you know, frequent. Uh, whereas in New York, uh, Long Island, I believe the urban sprawl had already happened. The squirrels were among us, big fat New York squirrels. You ever see those suckers? Oh my gosh. Yes. They're like, they're bigger than cats. Some of them. <laughs> <laughs> they're huge. Um, so I, 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 I chalk it up to more urban sprawl, and it's happening here, and that's why I believe it's on the rise. Whatever the case, I believe we're going to see a spike in it with all the standing water. Well, yeah, and um, also the, the vaccine that exists for lepto isn't all that great. Uh, it, it means better than nothing, don't get me wrong, 
but there's a there's seven flavors or serovars of lepto, different kinds of the bacteria. And the vaccine, depending on which one, contains anywhere from two to four. So you're not protected against all seven. Some people say that there is, you know, cross reactivity, you know, and it is better than nothing. But um, statistically, the three serovars that are on the rise are the three not in the vaccine. Is that related? Probably, <laughs> you know, because there's no protection against them. So that uh, that makes it tough, too, because I mean, you can do everything you can to vaccinate your dog, but you're still not. It, just because your dog's vaccinated doesn't mean that oh, we can't have lepto, you know, just kind of like you get the kennel cough vaccine and you can still get kennel cough really well, <laughs> you know. So just something to be aware of, too. It's not ever off the table. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's definitely one of the frustrating aspects of that disease. Let's talk about the most frustrating aspect of lepto, though. Oh, yeah. Diagnosing it. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting uncomfortable with you just bringing it up. <laughs> I know. God. Well, and the last episode that didn't record, I went on an entire rant. Um, but <laughs> Rant away. It's good oh my it's God. therapy. It's good therapy. <laughs> and, and it's maddening because everything's like if you, if you get a dog that's in liver and kidney failure and the history kind of hits, it's a lepto suspect. And no other disease in the hospital do we call suspect, if you think about it. You know, it's the only one that has suspect associated. Everything else is just, you're parvo. You are or you aren't, right. you know. Yeah. But left, and so it's so annoying. Um, so there's really no one great test. There's a new test that came out, which is for the antibodies, which is the body's response to lepto, that you can get results immediately. It used to be you had to wait three days. But a lot of these super sick dogs, you're, they're so sick that their body even hasn't had a chance to make the antibodies. You can get a false negative. So then what do you do? You can look at the urine. And if you get lucky, you can see the little spiral-shaped bacteria swimming around the urine. I've never gotten that lucky. Have you? Never once. Yeah. I always look at the pee with such hope. And yeah. It's always such a downer. Mm-hmm. And then you get these negative antibody tests, and then the specialists all say, oh, well, yeah, we need to do paired convalescent ones, so recheck it in three weeks. Well, in three weeks, the dog's going to be dead or better. So <laughs> like, that that is not helpful. Yeah, um, no, it's, 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 it's maddening. <laughs> you know, and I, I honestly, if I have a, a, a case that has elevations in the kidney valleys, elevations in the liver valleys, high white cell count, jaundiced, I'm Fever. treating, and if there's cost constraints, I'll say I'm treating without a lepto test because yep. that's how unconfident I am. I'm like spending nearly three hundred dollars of the of the of the owner's money to tell them maybe maybe not. I think so, yeah. but I can't tell you for sure. Trust me, yeah, not. it's an expensive test, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, and that's why I mean to to get a confirmed lepto case is like ooh wow, it's like newsworthy, you know. Um, yeah. Because a lot of them just stay a lepto suspect. The treatment's relatively simple. It's antibiotics because it's a bacteria. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like it's anything like major surgical or anything. Um, and I think response to treatment helps too because if you treat them in, like a lepto and they respond, then you're like, oh, guess it was. You know, versus you're treating it like lepto and not responding. Okay, this probably isn't lepto. Yeah. Well, what else is going to attack kidneys and liver simultaneously right well some crazy Lup- toxins lupus probably, but, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah but but yeah that's not going to respond to doxycycline and ampicillin exactly. you know yeah um so so yeah it's frustrating to diagnose fairly easy to treat still a high mortality rate though uh, i do and, and to your you make a very good point about the vaccine um it covers four out of seven serovars but i still believe in um in considering it a core vaccine wherever it's endemic uh, and I'm considering endemic here now in Florida. I mean, one to two cases a year is enough for me to vaccinate and vaccinate my own dog for it. 
Um, I got plenty of squirrels around here, so. Yeah. I actually I live across the street from a preserve, so that's pretty Oh, much wow. Yeah, and, and raccoons and rats are big ones, too, they say, yes. for their urine. So, and, and it's, um, I have a whole article I wrote on my blog on, uh, it's called Does Your Dog Need a Lepto Vaccine? And, um, I'm incredibly flaky on this topic, and I don't really have an opinion, and, some years I vaccinate my dogs and some years I don't because I'm just that flaky. So um, the article is good because it's just the pros, the cons. And I kind of take all the facts and dump them in your lap and say, see, ya, you make up your own mind. So um, if you want a very non-biased article, because I don't have bias because I haven't really made up my own mind yet. Because around here, I haven't seen a lepto in years, you know, um, so it's kind of hard for me to get excited about it. Um, I have friends who work in, you know, high volume practices that have a couple lepto suspects, maybe they're lepto, maybe, you know what I mean? And we're all, everybody's all so wishy-washy about it all that, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, should, I should rephrase my one to two a year are also suspects. Yeah, uh, you know, because it's so it is so hard to confirm. So thank you for clarifying that, because suspect is, is very important there. Um, you know, we had one year where we had like four or five between the two doctors in my practice. And oh, wow. And uh, yeah, that's where we were like, we really need to start vaccinating for this. This is that's years a lot. Back. Yeah. It is a lot, especially, you know, two doctors. Yeah, we're very busy. But, you know, when you say high volume, I'm thinking like five, six, seven doctors, 10 doctors. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, uh I'd like to mention this also, and I'm not sure, I'm sure this, you know, probably occurred over in Harvey land, wherever, you know, that went. Um, but I'm going through these, you know, where I live is kind of neat. It's, it's surrounded by 80 acres of, of nature preserve admixed in our little community. So you can go bird watching, there's bird watching trails. I know you would like that very much. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can just, you know, go off and walk your dog or ride your bike through these trails that go through these preserves. Well, I'm going through these trails and right now I've actually backed off of that because, oh, look, a raccoon just ran across the path. Oh, look, a bobcat just ran off the path, ran across the path. And the reason there's so much wildlife on the paths and not away from you where they really want to be is because the preserves are so flooded out right now. Right. So, they so, don't want to be swimming. Right. Right. So normally you see a raccoon in the middle of the day, you're like, rabies, yeah. <laughs> rabies, it's rabid. No, but these are, you know, they look at you and they're still terrified, but they're like, where do I go? Where do I go? It's wet over there. Human over here. Where do I go? Um, but yeah, wildlife galore on these paths. So I'm not really feeling that right now. Yeah, and, and give the wildlife a break, you know, because they need somewhere to go. And... They do. They do. Of course, my son doesn't care. He wants to be up and close and personal with them. But um, uh, but that that's just case in point. You know, there's going to be more of them, like, on our property and places where it's not flooded out. You know, these swamps or these, these, these preserves and wetlands are just – they're just still, like, you know, three, four feet deep right now water. What do these I poor mammals that. do, you know? Um, so, at any rate, that's leptosporosis. And then there's the uh, the Giardia. Yes. Another somewhat flaky disease. The cause of, yeah, well, there used to be a vaccine for Giardia. Oh, back my God. I know. It was Fort Dodge. Was it Fort Dodge? Dodge that had that? Yes. Well, there's a company called Fort Dodge who, if there was a disease they could make a vaccine for, they made it. Yep. And there's a national chain that shall remain nameless that gave it to everything. Um, oh, God. I know you're talking and about. And it's, uh, yeah, well, and... They stopped making it because it it's it's ridiculous. It's like, why would you vaccinate against a parasite that, like, it's so easy to treat? <laughs> it's not even a thing. Like, I don't know. Clearly not deadly. Um, I don't see – just from the science of it, 
just on a the basic knowledge of immunology, one has to wonder what they were thinking that they could ever think that. Of, yeah, it's a protozoal, you know, right. like. I'm like, how does that even work? Yeah. So, I mean, the whole thing, yeah, needless to say, that vaccine never took off. Um, yeah. so. I remember when I, I heard about it and I was a very young veterinarian and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's and, what? and I was like, is that a joke? <laughs> oh, it's not. Oh, wow. That's yeah. sad. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, what is Giardia? It's, um, it's a protozoa, like we said. Um, the way I describe it to people is it's a little amoeba-like organism with the tail. And for some reason that seems to be able to conjure up images of something in people's minds. But, um, not a bacteria it's not a worm but um it's a swimmer <laughs> and uh you can get it from non-treated water when you're out camping and you have to filter your water the big concern is giardia there too you know from any lake or pond or stream so and it causes diarrhea and it's pretty easily treatable um giardia is also what you get when you go to like a second or third world country and don't drink bottled water and you get the you know, traveler's diarrhea, that's usually giardia too. So people get it, dogs and cats get it. So um, if there's a lot more standing water and your dog wants to drink it, my parents' dog got it from standing water. Um, all of a sudden she was having horrible diarrhea and easy to diagnose. You do a fecal float, you just, not even a float, you can just look at the poop, smear the poop out on a slide with saline and look at it. You can see all those little swimmers around. It's actually kind of fun. And, um, I was like, wow, okay, well, she had way too much fun in that puddle and uh, <laughs> put her on the meds and she was fine, you know. But um, it is something to be aware of. And if your dog is or cat is having diarrhea, definitely something to bring a poop sample to your vet and test for, definitely. Yeah, and, and one of the things we touched on on our uh, last broadcast that didn't make it to air um, was that some animals come up repeatedly positive for it and yet right. have no symptoms. To treat or not to treat? Yeah, well, Mike Lappin is the big uh, feline medicine guru of the country, and I love listening to him talk. He looks like this old, like, Grateful Dead fan hippie. He's so fun. Um, anyway, um, he says that up to 20% of cats can have Giardia considered as their, like, normal intestinal flora. So he's like, if you diagnose it and you treat it, and you retest, and they're still positive, and you retreat again, and if the owner insists on retesting, he's like, just don't retest. Just tell the owner it's fine and move on. If they insist on retesting, don't do it with centrifugation because that's much more sensitive. Do it with the old-school fecal float. And he said to put the slide on your microscope and look at the slide without the microscope turned on. <laughs> and, there you go. <laughs> and then call it negative and move on with your day. Call it a day. The yeah. point of the story is that because you can chase your tail treating something that's, that's normal for that cat, and all you're going to do is get resistance to other things and cause more problems. So sometimes it's just easier to be like, you're fine. Have a nice day. Your cat's not having diarrhea. Your cat's not losing weight. There's no symptoms here. There's no reason for us to keep forcing pills on your poor cat. So that would be my approach as well. And the cat uh, agrees. Yeah. I mean, asymptomatic. I just, just ask, just, hey, watch for diarrhea. If they get diarrhea, we'll treat. But you know, um, and I actually had a, I had a canine patient that was positive every year. So as part of our, our well package, we have a, a stool analysis that comes with it. And this dog, I'd be like, I'd be looking it up every time. Oh, look, he's positive again, but on the antigen test, right? Not oh, actually visualize yeah. them. So that antigen test just means exposure, which, you know, 
exposure certainly doesn't mean infection, but came up time and again positive, and I just, you know, another one of those things. So I believe there can be canines that kind of fall in that category as well. Um, unless this was a really big black cat I was seeing and not a Labrador retriever, um, <laughs> came up time and again. It did frustrate the owner. He didn't like it. Um, and one time he did ask me to treat, and I treated, and lo and behold, he came up positive, you know, again anyway. So oh, yep. I just wanted those things. But um, any other water diseases you could think of, or we got the big three? Yeah, none that I can think of. Did we talk about any of the last one? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think we did. The, the big three are the heartworm and the... Lepto and Giardia. Yeah. Of course, there's always, you know, depending on your part of the country, there's the, up in the Pacific Northwest, there's the salmon liver fluke, and there, you know, there's a lot of other water specific ones, but um, those are very area-specific. Yeah. Um, we're trying to do more just general interest for the whole country. Mm. But, no, I think those are the biggest ones, and um, just, you know, be be aware of them and give heartworm preventative year round regardless. And, um, I guess that's about all I've got. Yeah. I think we, our we, original podcast on this one was so much better. <laughs> of course you're going to think that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess a subject's always better when it's fresh. <laughs> yeah. We like lost a spontaneity. We're like, what did you, Oh yeah. Then you said that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, but, but, we're both but, really tired but, right now. So our next <laughs> podcast will be better. So Well, you're going to be a certified acupuncturist soon, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and, oh, you froze up for a second. Are you with me still? I know, you just did too. We're just having bad luck all around. <laughs> okay, I got you back. Um, but you're going to be a certified acupuncturist soon. So I think yeah. we're going to have a lot of interesting things to talk about. Yeah, I leave Sunday for my big clinical intensive week and then um i come back all smart and stuff okay well well everybody everybody send dr karen your positive juju and wish you much luck on that i'm sure you're gonna kill it you're 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 such a nerd i'm sure you're gonna do just fine oh i know if i don't get 100 percent, i'm like oh my god i failed i have to take it over yeah yeah we're, we're, you were like a molecular biologist before you were a right veterinarian said yeah. be poor and be a veterinarian yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you and we you probably like what like an engineering minor or something like that. <laughs> yeah, actually, what, I don't even know what I minored Very, in. Yeah. So you're going for your PhD in microbiology, right? Before you yeah, it's decided, PhD. you know what? I'm just going to go to vet school instead. Why get a free PhD that they're paying me to get when I could get six figures in debt in vet school? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a genius! I mean, yeah. So don't think I'm smart for one second because I'm not because I made that decision. But anyway. <laughs> point know, is, I, I think you'll nail the test. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. So right. anyway, well, thank you for listening to this kind of awkward, frustrating redo, guys. Yeah. And hopefully, we don't have to do a take three. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll quit. <laughs> we'll have a better one next time, I promise. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day. The internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.